cross of Christ has overcome. We've been in our series looking at who Jesus is. And as we come towards Easter, we're getting to the cross today. The reason that Jesus came and he comes to redeem and to rescue us. But it takes a very hard path to get there. And that path is the cross. We've looked at Jesus's humanity, his humility, the temptation that he faced, the words of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And it all leads us to this spot, to the cross. Palm Sunday, it prepares us. It leads the way to Easter, to Jesus redeeming us. And so as we lead As Jesus leads the way to Easter next weekend, he also leads us there, preparing our hearts. So my prayer today is that God would show us what the cross is and what the cross means within all of our lives. Would you pray with me real quick? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross of Jesus. And Father, we simply ask that you would show us today Show us your love through the cross, what the cross means. In Jesus' name, amen. Although the cross is very familiar to all of us growing up in the culture that we grow up in, I hope that it holds some significance for you. I hope that it holds some some special meaning for you. And if you've grown up in the church, certainly it probably brings back a lot of memories of of different things that it evokes. Even even if you haven't grown up in the church, it, it holds some sort of meaning for you. I know for me, just having grown up in the church, when I when I think about the cross, I mean it immediately brings back, you know, the these old songs at the cross, at the cross, right? And that, that on a hill far away. That's one of my favorites, uh, you know, and I'm not even a big hymn guy, but when I hear a song like that, man, it just takes me to a place where I think about the cross and all that that cross, man, one, one of my favorite lines from it. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till at last my trophies I lay down. I promise I won't sing for you because you would all get up and leave. I cling to the old rugged cross and I'll exchange it someday for a crown. The cross is such a beautiful thing. Now, in our society, if your house is anything like my house, you probably have a cross or two or three or a dozen, you know, hanging on a wall within your house. It makes a really nice decoration, you know, that we put up around our houses. You'll see crosses in paintings. You'll see crosses in architecture. Uh, I even pulled up a picture here. This is uh, this is in Arizona, chapel in Arizona, chapel of the Holy Cross, I believe it's called. It's just a beautiful chapel there, um, beautiful cross. Even just right down the road here in Kerrville, you've got the empty cross, uh, which is, is a beautiful cross as well. If you ever get a chance to go up there and check that out, that's a, a beautiful piece of architecture and art uh, right here in our local area. You can also find crosses anywhere you look in fashion. You know, a lot of you have a cross to wear around your neck. Uh, here's LeBron with one. And, you know, don't mock. He needs all the help he can get. So, you know, a cross, maybe that'll help him out a little bit. But m- most of you, you know, somebody in your family or you have, have a cross that is a piece of jewelry. In our culture, 
it's commonplace, right? It's in our houses. It's, it's decorated around, even with the separation and, you know, people want to keep things separate. We see crosses everywhere. They're a part of our culture. But in Jesus's time, no one would have decorated with a cross, right? I mean, nobody would say, hey, let's go down to Hobby Lobby. And, um, you know, I'd like to look for one of those really pretty uh, wrought iron nooses that we could hang above the fireplace, right? I mean, nobody would say that, but that's the equivalent in Jesus's day of decorating with a cross, right? Having some decorative nooses to hang around your house. We wouldn't dare do that because a noose is a, a symbol of hatred and execution, and that's the cross, right? I mean, none of us would say, oh, Let's go down to James Avery. I want to get my daughter one of those really pretty uh, little charms of an electric chair, you know, that she could wear on her wrist. She's graduating, you know. I want to, I want to get her something really special that she can have to remember who she is. You know, none of us would do that because that's a symbol that none of us would want to be associated with. And yet that's the cross. And it can become so common and decorative to us that it could actually lose its meaning. But this is the central theme of Christianity. This is the central symbol of the church, the cross. It's recorded in all four gospels. And there's so many things that we can learn from these accounts in the gospels. And as I read through these this week, there's so many directions I could have gone just talking about the cross, but I just wanted to pick out a few things that stuck out to me as we look at who Jesus is when it comes to the cross of Jesus. John chapter 19 verses 1 and 2 says this, Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tip whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Now, it could be easy in the story of the cross to just see these things as kind of some accessories that go along with the cross. We've got a robe that was mentioned, represented here by this purple cloth. We've got a crown of thorns that was mentioned, and we've got this whip that was mentioned. And if you're familiar with the story leading up to the cross, Jesus is put on trial, and he's mocked, and he's beaten, and he's ridiculed by the soldiers and those that he's on trial before, leading up to the cross, which he would then have to carry. And as we lead up to the cross, we see some of these elements that are in place. This whip, this crown, this robe. And there's so much more to these elements than just simply being accessories in a story. You see, these were elements of torture. These were elements of punishment. These were elements of mockery as Jesus stands trial. The whip... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says this, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds you are healed. Or you may be familiar with the translation. It says, by His stripes you are healed. Healed. Now that meaning, that word right there, healed, I love the meaning of it because it doesn't just mean made better, right? 
Okay, you got over what was bothering you. It means to be made whole. Everything that is broken within you is set right. Everything that is off is fixed. Everything from the inside to the outside by the stripes of Jesus from this whip and the wounds that Jesus would partake in are what has come to make you and I whole. He has come to bring our healing. It speaks of our whole lives because naturally within ourselves, we're disconnected from the Father because we can't be good enough. We can't do good enough. We have to have something that makes the way for us and that is Jesus. He would bear these stripes on his back and this crown on his head, endure the cross. He would carry the sin that belongs to you and I so that we could be made whole. He will be torn apart so that we can be put back together, so that we can be redeemed and restored. Now, you may be familiar with this. If you've been around church at all, Jesus is whipped 39 times. He's likely chained to a stump with his back exposed, barely covered, if covered at all, and he's whipped 39 times. And they say by the time that they got to that end of 39, he would have been barely recognizable. And I don't mean to be too graphic, but he would have just been ripped to shreds, torn apart as this whip hit him. Now, maybe for you and I, when we think of a whip, we think of, you know, one leather piece. This was a special torture device that the Romans had put together. Within this whip was weaved together bits of bone and bits of lead. There's some images that have it with two whips. Some have as many as nine in it. And so when this whip would hit you, it doesn't just leave a whelp. This whip would stick in your skin, and as they pull it out, you know what happens. So by the time Jesus is whipped 39 times, they couldn't do it 40 because then they're, they have to consider you legally executed. So they say, well, let's do just as many as we can. We'll do 39 so we can continue to do something else to Jesus. It's much more than just a prop in the Easter story. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, And now a prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Now, that's not the crown that we see in the Easter account here. The crown that we see in the Easter account is a crown of thorns that would have been intentionally selected. Let's find the scariest thorns that we can find and let's weave them together in this crown and place it on his head. Now, this isn't something they usually did to torture people. This is something especially made just for Jesus so that they can mock this man who claimed to be king of the Jews. And they made sure that it stayed on his head. That it painfully stayed on his head. When I think about the crown that Jesus wore as he was on the cross, I can't help but think what a beautiful exchange. Twice, really. 
Jesus exchanges the crown of heaven as the Son of God so that he can walk in our footsteps. And as he walks in our footsteps, he's taken to the cross and he wears the crown of thorns so that, as we saw in 2 Timothy, a prize awaits you. Not just you, but it says all of us who place our hope in the sacrifice and the redemption of Jesus. That crown that he left in heaven of righteousness is now exchanged for you and for me to be the crown that we wear. He takes on the crown of thorns so that we might take on the crown of righteousness. And even the thought of that, that when God looks at you and me because of the sacrifice of Jesus, he sees me as righteous is totally humbling because I don't deserve that and I didn't earn that. But that's what Jesus offers us in exchange for his sacrifice. He took the penalty so that we could have the crown that he deserves. Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says this, Though he was God, he did not consider equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. This purple kings, much like the crown. And after Jesus was beaten, after his body was exposed and mauled, they thought, hey, this would be really fun. Let's mock him even more. And they get a purple cloth and put it on him as a robe. Here he is struggling to breathe, struggling to move, and they throw that robe right over his exposed wounds. The robe of Christ, which the people who were opposing him thought was to mock him, really is a symbol of his divine authority, that he actually is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When I think about the cross, some of these images that we have that go with the cross, I can't help but ultimately think of the forgiveness of the cross. Because it's not just a great sacrifice that Jesus made as an act. There's a purpose for what he does. In Luke chapter 23 verses 32 through 34, it says this, two others, both criminals. They were both criminals. That's what they were. They were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Jesus is surrounded on both sides by people who were legitimately criminals. People who had legitimately made bad choices to the point where they were not only imprisoned, but imprisoned to the point where they said, these people need to be executed. He has those two people on both sides. He's also surrounded by the very people who have had him executed and are now throwing dice to get a souvenir 
of what Jesus would leave behind. And the very people that Jesus is surrounded by that deserve the wrath of God, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, I don't know about you, but I have trouble forgiving the guy that cuts me off in traffic. You know, you're already in the turn lane and you've been waiting for quite a while and they just want to inch over at the last minute. I have trouble giving that person grace. You'll have to forgive me, okay? Your pastor has trouble giving people grace sometimes. Maybe you have trouble forgiving people as well, right? Maybe it's something from 10, 15 years ago. Somebody said something to you. Somebody did something to you. Or they didn't say something to you. They didn't do something they were supposed to do. They took something from your life that has left a scar within your life. And it's hard to forgive sometimes, right? I mean, we can let the traffic thing go, but there are serious things within our lives that sometimes it is hard to forgive. And when we look at Jesus, he's not just forgiving the people that are immediately around him who don't deserve forgiveness. When Jesus is on the cross... He's forgiving us all for the sins that we have committed, the atrocities that we have put before him. Verse 39 through 43 says this, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you are sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done, hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus could have looked at these guys and said, hey, too late, man. You guys had your chance, right? I mean, you're on the cross now. It's a little bit too late. You could have done a million different other things in your life. You chose what you chose. This is the bed you made. You're going to have to lie in it. But yet, even in the midst of the, this last dying breath on the cross, Jesus extends grace, extends mercy, and extends forgiveness to the least deserving of people. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is for me. Here's the good news of the cross is forgiveness does not discriminate. Forgiveness doesn't discriminate based on how bad something you did was, how long ago it was, or how many times it was done. Forgiveness of Christ, of the cross, does not discriminate. So I want to encourage you, don't set your standard higher than the standard of the cross. To say, well, Jesus may forgive you, but I don't. Maybe even for the person in the mirror. Jesus forgives you, but you won't forgive yourself. The cross represents forgiveness. Forgiveness is the freedom that the cross has come to bring to your life and to the world. 
We don't forgive others based on anything that they have done or not done. We don't forgive others based on whether they said they were sorry, whether they made amends, whether they're going to do it again or not. The only standard that makes sense for forgiveness because you have faced real offense in your life, the only standard that makes sense for forgiveness is the cross. Freely you have received forgiveness, freely you are to forgive. And I don't want you to leave here today without knowing that because of the cross, you are forgiven. And if you're here today and you won't let yourself get past some things, I want you to hear me say it again. Because of the cross, you are forgiven. But I also want you to hear me say, because of the cross, you are to forgive. You are to cancel the IOUs. They don't owe you anything because of the cross. The sacrifice of the cross, Mark chapter 15, verse 34, 33 and 34. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Leme, Shabbat. Yeah, I practiced this and I still can't get it. Uh, this, this here is in Greek, I believe. Um, Shabbatanai, um, which means, let's go to the last part. They put it in there for people like me, right? Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As Jesus hangs dying on the cross as a sacrifice for you and me, he faces the worst possible thing, even worse than the mockery, even worse than the whipping, even worse than the nails. And that is the separation that he feels in that moment from God the Father so that you and I will never have to face separation. As it says in Romans 8, what can separate me from the love of God? Nothing can because of the cross. Jesus faced the separation so that you and I would never have to be separated from God. He identifies with our pain. He identifies with everything that we face. Sometimes I understand we may feel like God is separated from us. But because of the cross, nothing could be further from the truth. We are never separated from the love of God. Because of what he endured physically, emotionally, and relationally, he says all can be restored for us. Now, I don't mean to minimize if you're facing painful things within your life that legitimately make it feel like God is so far away. But what I do want to encourage you with is to know that because of the cross, we are never separated from God. And he can use all of our pain to draw us closer to him. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus in the midst of the painful things that you and I face, if we can find a way to sidestep bitterness an offense, and cling to the grace of the cross, we can find the redemption of the cross that heals our wounds. Lastly, in John 19, 
28 and 30, it says this, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked it in a sponge and put a hyssop branch and put it on a hyssop branch and held it to his lips. When Jesus tasted it, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and released his spirit. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't choose another way, that God didn't choose another way, but that he sent Jesus to take the place that you and I rightfully deserve so that we could be redeemed and restored so that we could be his. So as we close the service today, we're going to celebrate communion because this is what communion is. Communion is looking back at the cross and saying, I'm not going to forget the sacrifice that was made or the price that was paid so that I could be his. When we look back at the images, the crown, the robe, the whip, the nails, the sign that hangs above Jesus, so many images there, the forgiveness that we receive, we remember the sacrifice that was made. We are forgiven and set free and made whole because of the sacrifice of Christ. We make a decision today to remember what Christ has done for us, but I'm also going to ask you to make the decision to receive the forgiveness that Christ gives to you, as well as to give the forgiveness that Christ gives to you, to give it to others, right? Even in the Lord's prayer, he says, we say, Father, forgive me so that I may forgive others. Forgiveness just keeps going. So as we come to the table of the Lord today, I want us to remember the cross, the sacrifice that was paid, the forgiveness that we receive and the forgiveness that we give and the decision that we make in the midst of whatever's going on in our life to believe and to cling to grace, to cling to the promise that he has come to redeem and to heal us, to make us whole. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that in the midst of the lack within our lives, you fill the gap because you do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus and thank you for the cross. Lord, there's nothing more in this world that we need than the cross. Jesus, his sacrifice, and as he rises again, which we'll celebrate next week, God, we need your forgiveness. We need your grace. Would you take just a moment and in your own words, would you ask God, would you thank him for his forgiveness? Would you ask him to renew and restore your relationship with each other? And if there's someone that you need to forgive forgiveness to, you ask God for the strength and the courage to be able to give that forgiveness.
to let go of the pain? Would you prepare your hearts today as we prepare to come to the table? Father, we thank you again for the cross today.